Well, good morning to you. I've just heard my name is Mervyn Smith and I'm a volunteer speaker for Open Doors. Open Doors, as you may or may not know, is an organisation that supports the persecuted church. And as I've told you, Liz and I come from Highleaf, which is not too far away, and we worship there in an Anglican church too. Actually, Liz, um, Liz took and passed her driving test in Wellington. I believe there'll be a blue plaque at some time to commemorate the event. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier this week, uh, we celebrated St. Valentine's Day. And as I'm sure many of you know, St. Valentine was a Christian martyr. And he was killed by the Emperor Claudius in AD 269. So persecution of Christians is nothing new. The Romans were perhaps the first of many groups who have tried to stamp out the church of Jesus Christ. And all have failed. But the scale of persecution Christians face today is growing. So it's a privilege this morning to be here to share with you their stories of courageous faith. For they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. But before I do, I just want to share a little bit more about my own story of faith and how all this came about. I had major open heart and life-saving surgery a few years ago. And whilst recuperating, I knew God had a purpose for what I'd been through. Now Liz and I have been supporters of Open Doors for many years. And at one of their conferences, deeply, deeply moved after hearing a testimony from a Nigerian pastor about the dreadful levels of violence his group of churches in the north of the country were facing, I asked God a simple question. What can I do to make a difference? Have you ever asked God such a question? Long story short, in 2018, before COVID, I took a lone motorcycle ride some 6,000 miles. I rode way above the Arctic Circle in the then hottest summer on record to the very tip of Norway. And I raised 10,000 pounds for the persecuted church. And subsequently, that took me on a journey to become a volunteer speaker to continue to raise awareness of what our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ experience. There will be a book about the ride, and I hope maybe one day I can come and talk to you about that. But it's not about me this morning. It's about them. Because the link for my journey was Nigeria, and this is a Nigerian Christian on the screen here. This is a quote from a Nigerian Christian. Every Christian is sitting on a landmine. Nowhere is safe without Jesus. Every year, Open Doors teams recreate, create this. The World Watch List. A list of the countries where Christians face the most severe persecution ranked from the most extreme. 
It's a unique, in-depth record of the places where Christians who are following Jesus, but following him no matter what the cost. And the research has been gathered and it's analysed annually. I have some copies with me for you to take away. There is a frightening spread of Islamic extremism in sub-Saharan Africa that has been emboldened by the victory of the Taliban in Afghanistan. But the difference is the scale of the crisis is not being recognised by those in power. It's a fact. Over 4,000 Christians in Nigeria were murdered because of their faith last year. That's more than the rest of the world combined. The persecution is getting worse and spreading southwards through the rest of the country. And in the West, here, it's not even being reported as news. But as bad as it is in Nigeria, there are countries where to be a Christian is even more challenging. North Korea is one of them. Here is the cry of the North Korean church. We love Jesus and his church deeply. We want to see a strong church, active and alive. And we believe in being willing participants in stretching and extending the borders of the kingdom of God, no matter what the cost. These are the words of Hannah, a secret open doors field worker living in one of the most volatile and dangerous places on earth to be a Christian, North Korea. A place where Christians have to meet in secret and are often killed for following Jesus. We have to take risks, but even though we know it's not safe, we still have to do it. God loves each of the women so much. And these are the words of Sister Jay, a secret open doors field worker who supports North Korean refugees through underground networks in China. She is part of a team running secret Bible studies and providing practical help to courageous women who have fled North Korea to find faith in Jesus in China. But meeting together is risky. If discovered, they could be sent back to North Korea. And yet meeting together to discover more of Jesus is worth everything to them. The women are really ready for any risk, she adds. They are really full of joy in Christ. They give thanks for everything, even the small things they have. But they also give thanks to all the supporters. That's people like me and you and churches like all saints. Giving God's thanks for us, even though they have never met us. Amazingly, many of these women choose to go back to North Korea to tell others about Jesus. And that's the biggest risk of all. If North Korean secret police discover someone is a Christian, they'll be sent to a labor camp or sentenced to death. And sadly, whole families are often given the same punishment. North Korea 
is the most dangerous place in the world to follow Jesus. And yet every day, thousands of North Korean Christians are taking extraordinary risks to follow him. And supporting them is essentially what Open Doors is all about. Taking risks to strengthen and grow the church living in the midst of persecution. As our brothers and sisters risk their lives and risk arrest or imprisonment to share the gospel, our prayers, giving and action are essential in making that happen and in keeping it going. Consider, just for a moment, how fortunate you are in being able to worship here in freedom this morning. Have you ever thought about it? Imagine Christians you know personally who are refused a job because of their faith or placed under surveillance or arrested and put on trial or worse. Here are some sobering statistics. 360 million Christians experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. To put that another way, one in seven Christians globally face persecution for their faith. Each day at least 15 Christians are killed for their faith in Jesus, many of those in Nigeria. Last year, 2,110 churches were attacked, some of them completely destroyed. Around 140,000 Christians were displaced from their home or country for faith-related reasons. In the last year, over 4,000... 500 believers were detained without trial, arrest, sentenced, and imprisoned. In more than 60 countries, Open Door supports them by supplying Bibles, providing emergency relief, and helping persecuted believers stand strong for the long term. In the UK and Ireland, Open Doors help the church to pray, give, and speak out for those who share our faith but do not share our freedom. And there are many reasons why the church is being persecuted. Religious fanaticism, ultra-nationalism, paranoid dictators, authoritarian government, control, greed. Paul's epistle this morning reminds us in spite of all the enemy can throw against his church that we are not to lose heart. That we are being renewed day by day. That our troubles are momentary because we are fixing our eyes on an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. We continue to look at what is seen. What is seen, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal of such powerful words of encouragement to keep on, keeping on in spite of all that might be against us. And the persecuted church understands this perfectly. 
because the chief reason why Christians are being persecuted is because the church is alive, it's active, and it's growing. And it is a fact that the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ will always dispel the deepest darkness. Paul himself knew the truth of this until his dramatic encounter with the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. Paul himself was one of the main persecutors of the early church. And our gospel reading reminds us, if we follow Jesus, then the world will hate us because it first hated him. And Jesus warned us of the persecution that could come against us. But as Christians, the universal truth remains that we are to set an example to the world by loving one another as he loved us. We are one body, the church. If we are to love one another, then it seems to me a natural expression of that love will also be extended to those who face persecution daily for following him because they are our family. It's doubtful that any of us here will face martyrdom or extreme persecution. But we all face moments of decision where we are put under pressure having to choose between Jesus and the world. I know the truth of that as a Christian, as I'm sure you do too. Perhaps gaining wider knowledge about the persecution of Christians might be one of those decisions where we are being challenged. Because if we are relying on the media in the UK to inform us of their plight, then frankly, their voices will never be heard. And their stories will never be told. It's important to be informed about these things, not least as a focus for prayer. Some years ago now, Liz went on a missionary trip to India and she found a people hungry to know about Jesus. As you may know, India is the world's largest democracy and you would think, therefore, with a constitution that permits freedom of religion, it would be a safe place to be a Christian. In fact, nothing could be further from the truth. Christians make up a tiny minority there, less than 5%. And being a minority makes you an easy target. And part of the reason why persecution against Christians in India has been rising is because the Hindu extremists believe that to be Indian means you have to be Hindu. And the current Indian government is largely supportive of that viewpoint. There are many other countries I could talk about this morning where the situation for Christians is dire and persecution is not diminishing. There are countless stories of courageous faith I could recount. I could tell you of pastors in Syria and Iraq who even as the ISIS forces approached refused to flee and leave their churches and their people. Are other secret Christians in North Korea who, in spite of the very threat to their lives, even lead some of their persecutors to faith? Or the wife of a murdered pastor in Colombia who now works at a trauma centre providing care and hope for persecuted children there? 
These are our heroes of faith and their stories are truly inspirational and they need to be heard. They stand firm and they do change the atmosphere of evil by their constant witness and many come to faith because of them. They are growing the church. I'm going to close with this story from China. And I hope it encourages us all. But it so clearly demonstrates that God is not mocked. That he is still in control. That he will use people in the most appalling situations to bring the gospel of good news to others. China is number 16 on the Open Doors World Watch list. It's a country of 1.4 billion people, of which 16.3 million are Christian. The church has seen incredible growth in recent years, and increasingly, once again, Christians are being seen as a threat to the state. And new restrictions, along with high-tech surveillance, are combining to restrict Christian freedom. But this clampdown on Christians in China is actually nothing new. And it does not destroy the church. And God is never rendered powerless, no matter how strong the enemy appears to be. A man called Wang Mingdao was sentenced to 22 and a half years in prison. He lived during the Cultural Revolution in China when China was the leading country then in the failing race to destroy God's church. And one day, Wang was called into the warden's office and he was told that he could walk free if he signed a confession to say that he was not a Christian. And he did just that. He signed the confession and he walked away a free man. And then, just a few steps outside the prison gate, he stopped dead in his tracks. He realized he'd made a terrible mistake. He turned around and he walked back into that prison. He told the prison authorities to rip up his confession and take him back in. And he spent the next two years as a result in solitary confinement. For him, it was the worst punishment imaginable. When I was put in solitary, I was devastated because I was an evangelist. But Wang soon realized he could actually preach down the stinking pit toilet in the corner of his cell as all the sewerage pipes were linked and the sound carried through them. His prison cell became his pulpit. The sewerage pipes became his megaphone and over seven years, 96 other prisoners came to faith in Jesus Christ. He said, I have no Bible, no pulpit, no audience, not even pen and paper. I could do nothing, nothing, except get to know God. And for 20 years, it was the greatest relationship I have ever known. And that has to be a lesson for us all. We can get knocked down as Christians, but because of our relationship with Jesus, we are not knocked out. 
we can get pushed to the limits. But somehow because of the truth, the mystery that God is with us, in us and around us, there is a supernatural ability to just keep going. As Christians, we know we never suffer alone. Jesus is very present, close, suffering and with us. And we're called as believers to feel deeply each other's suffering and to stand alongside and love each other. Quite simply, in the body of Christ, in the global church, we actually need each other. As one of our sisters in Nigeria says, we in the persecuted church are like an injured foot. It's bleeding and the wound is open. And when you come alongside, it's like you soothe the pain and you take care of the wound. In light of the knowledge of how serious persecution was for my fellow believers in Jesus, I ask God that question. What can I do to make a difference? Well, right now, we have 360 million reasons to make a difference and stand with those living and serving Jesus in the riskiest places, like North Korea, Nigeria, India and China, because 360 million, that's how many Christians face high or extreme levels of persecution for their faith, and they do need our help. Please consider supporting Christians everything, supporting Christians risking everything to follow Jesus. Come and see me afterwards. There's a postcard. And if you would care to fill it in, not only will you be updated with Open Doors news about the persecuted church, but we will also send you a copy of this book. Many of you may know of it. It's called God's Smuggler. It's free post return, by the way. It's a story of Brother Andrew, who went on a risk-taking adventure with God, and it's the story of how Open Doors began. Sadly, Brother Andrew passed away recently. But I really commend the book to you. It's a truly exciting read, and it's truly inspirational too, especially the stories of faithfulness of God and how he answered prayer in the most extraordinary and miraculous ways. As Brother Andrew says, God invites us to influence our community, our nation, the world, to literally direct history while we're on our knees. He believed it passionately and he lived it. And it's important to know that in prayer we too can have the same confidence because God is not indifferent to our prayers, especially those for others. And this Christian from Iran, this is the country, if you remember, which was on our film before I came to speak. And he says this, persecution can take the gospel to the places where nothing else can. There is a staggering and unexplained truth in that statement. Jesus calls us to partner with him in stretching and growing the kingdom in the most persecuted places,
and standing alongside those who risk it all and encouraging courage in our brothers and sisters to stay strong in the midst of persecution and keep taking extraordinary risks for Jesus. Sister Jay, that secret worker for Open Doors in China says, we are like a team. Without your support and prayers, we cannot do anything. So please, join with us in standing with our persecuted brothers and sisters. Give if you're able. Every pound could help provide spiritual and financial support for a Christian fleeing extreme persecution. And at the moment, also help us to provide urgent relief to Christians who have been affected by the terrible earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Above all, please pray. Pray for an empowerment of the gospel. Pray for those suffering for the witness. Your prayers strengthen them and it's important to them to know that they are not forgotten. So with that in mind, will you please join me in a prayer for the persecuted church as I close. Heavenly Father, we stand with those in the body of Christ, our family, risking it all, willing to die for Jesus, who live out Paul's words in 2 Corinthians, not losing heart, but being inwardly renewed day by day, fixing their eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, because that is eternal. We pray for the millions of Christians who will never step into a physical church building or raise their voice in prayer or praise above a whisper. We pray for those who worship in silence. Today, as we ourselves gather in safety and in peace, we pray for them and pray with them. For those who meet in dimly lit shacks, forests, mountains, basements, at dawn, in the middle of the night, those silenced, on the run from secret police with hearts pounding, may they know Jesus is right there with them, sustaining and upholding them through their trials and tribulations and securing for them your hope of victory. And of course, we pray for that upholding, particularly for those in Turkey and Syria who are affected by that catastrophic earthquake. And we ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So in closing, I just want to thank Reverend Tim for inviting me to come and share with you these stories this morning of courageous faith and to wish him a speedy recovery from COVID. And my sincere thank you to all of you for your interest in these stories of courageous faith. Amen.